0: Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Hope you all had a happy Thanksgiving with your family, with your loved ones. Um, it's well, um, <clears> that wasn't that wonderful music, Chris. Thank you so much for the wonderful music. I see the kids are back home. <laughs> like, wow, we we've missed you for more than just that one reason, of course. But we have missed you up here. Yes, that's that is that is true. And thank you so much for freely. Uh, giving of your of your talents to god every time you hear i could just you know i could just feel the uh you know the 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 power of, of 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 songs sung from the heart and beautiful at that and thank you for the um for the um testimonies of of gratefulness to god we have a lot to be thankful to be thankful for don't we we're here isn't that enough to be thankful for? We're still around. We're here. And we're still alive and kicking, and, uh, and God has blessed us in so many different ways. So when I say Happy Thanksgiving to everyone, I really mean that from the bottom of my heart. I am very thankful for many, many things. Um, um, you know, at my house, you know, fall decorations, fall decorations have uh, bedecked my, my, my home since... Uh, before the end of summer, actually, at the, towards the tail end of summer, and it's my it's a, fall is the favorite my favorite time of the year, uh, partly because of Thanksgiving, um, but it's my favorite time of the year um, because of the fact that my wife decorates my house so beautifully every single every single year. Um, I love the falling leaves, and I have. Too many of them, as a matter of fact, I could barely keep up. Um, I love the different colors, the, the shades of yellow and orange, the shades of gray and purple and brown. I never thought in my life growing up in the tropics where you only have shades of green that there could be so many different shades of red. So many different shades of purple and brown and orange and yellow. I never thought in my life when I first got here, um, I thought that was so awesome to see that. And one, one year, I actually, actually got to go to, um, to New England, attending a seminar there in the fall. And it's even more fall-like over there than it is here. It's so beautiful. Fall is definitely my favorite time of the year for, for that reason and more. But I'm a bit sad Today, because fall decorations came down at my house, last, uh, well, two days ago, yesterday. Um, actually as late as yesterday, yes. Um, and they're all now neatly put away in plastic bins and, and racks uh, beneath my house. And, and my you know, the typical efficiency of my wife and my two children and fall came down um, and now you know, I, of course, I cannot, I, I, I should not, and I'm not complaining because as fall came down, Christmas came up, and now I get to enjoy all the Christmas de- decorations. I should have, I should have um, included here today a, a, a short video I took of the Christmas lights um, on the front porch, and, and my son had everything to do with that, and for the first time ever, I, never, I didn't have anything to do with putting up lights, <laughs> that, it, that feels so, so good. And I have a year more of that perhaps until Micah leaves for college and then it'll be back to me to do, to do that. Uh, Christmas has arrived at my house, yes, and I love that. Um, but now I have a different struggle because Christmas is up. Um, and that struggle is to get my wife to agree to keep Christmas up long enough for me to enjoy it. Because I just know that after Christmas it'll come down. Shortly, very shortly after Christmas, it'll come down. So I'd like Christmas decorations to stay up until January 6th, get this, January 6th, 2022. And you say, why January 6th, 2022? Epiphany. Well, what is epiphany? I mean, we Adventists, we don't really, we, you know, the only two events we follow on the Christian calendar is what? what? Are what? Christmas and Easter, we don't know what epiphany is. Um, well, if I tell you what it is, then uh, I'll, I'll reword that. I'll, you, you'll understand what it is. It's the three kings. It's, it's the, traditionally with Christians all over the world, um, uh, uh, the time when, 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 uh, when they um, celebrate the arrival of the three kings, the magi. And by, because of that, we, uh, we say it is, the, you know, the, the, the arrival of the three kings or the magi in Bethlehem is, you know, the celebration uh, or, or the revelation of Jesus Christ to the wider world. And therefore, epiphany, the revelation, the, 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 the showing forth of Jesus Christ to the rest of the world for the very first time. But my wife hasn't agreed to that quite yet, so maybe you can help me. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but very well okay january 9th did you hear that so i got a few days a few days beyond january 6th well that's uh, this thanksgiving sabbath we can uh, firmly testify of god's goodness Um, despite many difficulties we can continue to to live every day of our lives with the end in view today uh, we end our current sermon series The series we've been uh, uh, doing for over the last few weeks, live in the last lane. And in this series, we have explored some of the ways we can practice, we say, practice resurrection, stay fully engaged in the life that we live now, and transcend the spirit of the time. What do we need to keep the end firmly in view and keep living the way Jesus wants us to live today and for the rest of our lives? I'm reminded of a, of, of a small adventure I had when I was in college, an adventure, a story I had already told here, perhaps once or twice before. And I'm going to say it again because I believe that it is appropriate to the situation, or at least to the sermon today. A small adventure I had when I was still in college, I was a college student, and I decided to go back to the small village. I decided to, um, I decided to um, no longer follow the, 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 the well-beaten path not to follow the road back to the small village, but to follow my memory and go bushwhacking. Which was a terrible idea when I hadn't, I hadn't really been there for, for, for over two, uh, 20, 20 years. I hadn't been on the trail I took since I was a little child. I was very confident I'd remember every single tur- twist and turn on that trail. I knew the general direction. I, uh, you know, I, I said to myself, it couldn't be that hard. I, I, you know, I don't know what made me do this, but you know, to, to get off the well-beaten path and to go go bushwhacking back to the the little old village. I guess I wanted to challenge myself. It was a, you see that, you know, that uh, that uh, trail was a shortcut in and out of the village, and I knew that very well as a little child, because my mom, my sister, and I used to take that you know, that trail, often when I was a child. Um, but it had been over 20 years since, and my memory was not as good as I thought. A few minutes into my, you know, bushwhacking, I, I, I realized I was lost. And there was no um, gas station around. And worst, I was in a race against time. The sun was coming down the horizon and and I had about oh give and take an hour left before before dusk. And I was lost in the thick of you know that forest that late afternoon. So I stopped looking for, you know, the old signs that I knew, I thought I knew existed, a house over there you know a tree over here a creek by the you know i thought i knew everything i thought i thought i knew every single sign leading up to the village i stopped looking for all of these things you know because you know i was pressed for time so i left i left the trail as i said i left the trail and i uh, and, and as soon as i realized i was lost i went bushwhacking what what in the world would you be doing lost and you go bushwhacking you should be either staying on the trail or heading back where you came from. Well, you know, I, I ditched the trail, and I also ditched my memory map, which was not serving me any, any good, because I realized, as I said, that the memory was not a, uh, my memory was not a, a topo map. And, but my memory did, did, did have one saving grace. I remembered that mountain to my left, the mountain I had known since I was a child. And I knew that that mountain lay north of the village. I knew I was coming in from the southwest. I knew that. And that the village is northeast, right in front of that, uh, of, of that mountain. Um, and so I knew that if I kept the mountain at 12 o'clock, you know, if I headed to the, towards the mountain straight on at 12 o'clock, I would be missing the village. By a few miles. But if I kept the mountain a little bit to my left at nine o'clock, then I would be triangulating and I would be eventually, I would make it to my village. That's all I knew. And so I went bushwhacking. I didn't care anymore. I didn't care about the path going this way or that way. I just went straight across those, you know, those the rice fields and, and the thick, thick undergrowth. Um, and I just went for it, went for it. And sure enough, Just minutes before dusk, I made it to that little village to the chagrin of my own aunt who who didn't know I was coming. Nobody knew where I I was going and nobody knew that I was coming. Well, I said this story because I I believe that living every day with the end in view is a bit like leaving a well-beaten path and bushwhacking across unfamiliar terrain. We think we know what lies ahead, but we really don't. And the only thing that will keep us oriented is a single reference point beyond the horizon, big enough for us to not lose our bearings. But we ask the question, is there such a mountain, such an over-the-horizon reference point to keep us going to the very end of our journey of life, to the, to the very end of our time. And of course, the answer to that is, the yes, there is. And, and it is no other than the promise of our own resurrection in the end of time. Scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Verses 51 to 54. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass, it says, the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. But how does the Scriptures, or how does Scripture promise, um, or the Scriptures promise of our future resurrection keep us in the right frame of mind? How does it act as a a guiding, as a reference point? Does thinking about a future uh, really help us, or a future uh, resurrection really help us in any way today? And if it does, what help does it give us? The effect of our future resurrection on us today is not really like anything we might think like perhaps that behavioral conditioning of Pavlov's dogs, you've heard about that in, 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 at school, I'm sure, dangle the idea of an indestructible life and behavior will change accordingly. Ivan Petrovich Pavlov, this Russian uh, psychologist, was able to demonstrate about the year 1900 by experimenting with dogs that the secretion of saliva can be stimulated not only by food, but also by the sound of a bell associated with food. That's pretty easy. I don't think he needed to really to experiment on dogs to find out that that's true even with humans. Rather than trigger our salivary glands, um, our future resurrection affects us really in, in, in different ways, much different way than Pavlov's dogs. And it affects us in three ways, at least, in um, many ways, but I want to just point out here today three ways our future resurrection reminds us of. And that it is that our future resurrection reminds us to keep living the life here and now. To keep things real, and to keep, th- to keep things going to the very end. As simple as those three things. Well, you, s- you ask yourself, how does our future resurrection help us keep living every day with the end in view? And the simple answer is this. By linking our lives with the life of the resurrected Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, we find... Um, scripture tells us what our linkage to jesus christ means when we are baptized what our baptism accomplishes it isn't merely the forgiveness of of the past it isn't merely the wiping away of our connection our connection with adam's failure of the past our baptism links us and incorporates our lives into the life of the resurrected jesus christ so that our life or his life becomes our life and becomes the template of our life here and now let's read Romans chapter 6 verse 3 and 4 it says do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead Notice that by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. The resurrection of Jesus isn't a QR code that lets us through the line and on a plane, onto a plane, bound for heaven. Rather, it is our template for the kind of life God accepts here, and the kind of life He wants us to live. Romans 6 verse 5 follows through with what Paul has been saying at the beginning of this chapter. He says, For if we have been united with Him, notice that, in a death like His, when we give our life to Him and get baptized, that's what happens, you see. A certain kind of death happens to us, It's a spiritual death, it's a psychological, it's not a physical death. But a certain kind of death happens, he says, and then he says, well, he says, we shall, uh, let let me read it again, but if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Now notice what he did not say, and I, I used to think this myself, I used to think that Paul is saying that, listen, just as you had a certain kind of death when you give your life to Jesus Christ, then also you had a certain kind of resurrection when you rise up out of the deep, watery grave. But Paul falls short of saying that that is the case. That is is to say that he's not saying that we've already been resurrected, that somehow there is some kind of a spiritual resurrection when we die. No. What he's saying is that that resurrection actually is still yet future to us. And I want to take you to Romans chapter 6, verse 10 and 11, where it says, For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus that is to say that while Paul falls short of saying you have been resurrected from the dead, your resurrection, your actual, our actual resurrection is still future to us. We know that. And yet he says, in this, in this, um, in this day and age, I mean, uh, today, uh, your life now, in your life now, he says, while you have not been actually resurrected, you must consider yourself as if you had been resurrected. From the dead, verse eleven. Once again, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin, and alive to God, in Christ Jesus. What do we mean when we say that thinking of our future resurrection helps us keep things real? I want to take you now to another, another text. It is found in 1 Corinthians chapter six, verses twelve to fourteen. Here, uh, Scripture tells us what happens when we live as though we are the center of the universe, as if our freedom were a carte blanche to act as we think best. Rather, our freedom in Christ is our license to act as God sees best. Let's take a look at that text in First Corinthians chapter six. Uh, you know, we've 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 heard this before. We've we've read this before, and um, you know, uh, scholars, theologians uh, debate as to what Paul is actually saying here. And most of them think that you know Paul is basically answering uh, some you know some um, you know uh, phrases or kind of a I don't know uh, some idiomatic expression maybe that's going around in the, in, among the Christians there in Corinth. And so you will normally, if, you're, if your scripture or your Bible uh, translation is a newer one, you will find that the first part of, 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 of these verses have, a, have quotes in them. And, and so it is. So let's read. All things are lawful for me. And then Paul responds, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy one and the other. As a matter of fact, I think the quote needs to go all the way to the end of that um, sentence. The body is not meant, that is Paul's response, The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. And I said, what in the world does Paul mean there? All things are lawful for me but not all things are helpful all things are lawful for me but i will not be dominated by anything you see our freedom in christ does not mean license for us to do whatever we want but it is license for us to live our lives in accordance with how jesus christ wants us to live our lives let us grant that everything is lawful for us if everything is lawful for us because we are free in Jesus Christ, does that, does that entitle us therefore to do anything or anything we want at all? What would happen if we say, for example, that it is lawful for me to drink poison? Go ahead and drink it and see what happens. And so our lives here on earth must be seen as freedom, not just act as we think best, but freedom to act according to what God sees best. To live a resurrected kind of life because we are now united with Jesus Christ with whom we have died and with whom we have been raised back from the waterly grave. Watery grave. And last, our future resurrection helps us, as I said in before, or in, uh, previously, helps us keep things going all the way to the very end. How easy is it to give up and turn tail Especially these days, a lot of people are giving up. And, um, you know, I read an article, a very um, sad article not too long ago, about the increase of, of suicides, even especially among uh, young people uh, uh, since the beginning of, of, the, of the pandemic. A lot of people are giving up. But Scripture tells us that life and ministry and witness is hard. But we must keep going. There are are times when you just want to quit. But keeping our future resurrection in view every day helps us to keep our life and witness going because we know that real life lies beyond the breaking points of our life to an outside power beyond our human capacity to produce. Scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, We felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So we keep going. We live life. We live the kind of life that God wants us to live. And we live it in full view of the world. And we live it. We keep going despite the difficulties. And I think this is a far better way of living our lives in these last days than just looking for signs. Try looking for signs when you're bushwalking. They're not there. You need that one mountain to keep your bearings straight. And that mountain is the resurrected Lord. That's all you need. You don't need anything else. And He will keep you to the very end of time. To the very end of your life. Victorious and ready for your own actual resurrection when He arrives the second time. Let's pray. Lord, how true it is. It's really nice to live life, knowing not only that our future resurrection is assured, but that Jesus' past resurrection, the fact that he has been resurrected from the dead, makes our life here meaningful. For now we have a template for our own lives to follow, and we have the same power with which to follow that life. Lord God, help us to live resurrected lives between now and the day we die. Or if we should be so privileged as to see you coming in the clouds of glory before we die, to see you fully ready because we have been living your life. In Jesus' name, amen.